0: Uh, Well, it's good to be here this morning. I always feel like when the kids go out, like half the meeting empties, isn't it? Um, But we do praise God for the number of children that we've got uh, and the way in which we're investing in their lives. Um, This morning I want to talk to you about uh, power made perfect in weakness. Power made perfect in weakness. Now, um, I am uh, sadly getting older right this is what I've discovered Uh, I just find every day I just get a little bit older Um, but when I was young um, is this going to work no it's not going to work Joel have I turned it on do I have to do something to this oh no let's have a little interlude there we are. Uh, when I was young, right, okay, I looked like, I, I, I reckon I looked a little bit like this, yeah, okay. I even had glasses. I tried to pretend, I did, I pretended that I was uh, short-sighted, so I thought I'd look cool in glasses. Um, <clears throat> I looked like this, but I thought in my head I looked like this, okay. <laughs> That's what I dreamed that I looked like, all right, but that wasn't the reality. As I get older and I move into the middle age phase, okay. What, oh, sorry, that was me as a teenager. Yeah, okay, I wished I looked like that, but instead I looked much more like that. Okay, I thought that I was strong and muscular and looked good in a vest. Uh, the reality was that I didn't. Um, uh, as I've reached middle age, uh, Simon, uh, one of our leaders here, he likes to work out, likes to, to pump the weights, uh, and I'm sure when he does, he thinks he's looking like that. The reality is he probably looks a little bit more like that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, because you you, you just start, but you kind of know, you wish you looked like that, but you kind of know that's the truth, is I'm looking like that. And when you get old, and I've got lots of friends who have reached a point where they're older, uh, you wish that you could do this again, and in your mind you still can, um, (coughs) but actually you probably look a little bit more like this. Is this going to work? You might have to, it worked earlier, do you want to press play, Joel? Make it play, Joel, make it play. Made it, made it, you wish you could break dance, but instead you look a little bit more like this, don't you? Yeah. Oh, look, there he goes. That, that was John Churchill at The Last Family Do. You see, you, you find, don't you, that the, the older you get, the more you realise your weaknesses. And the more you realise that you're not able necessarily to do everything that you wished you could. Um, A few weeks ago I had a a moment where uh, Aaron was at cricket club uh, and he was running very fast towards the wall and instead of stopping, uh, he tripped over and dived full head first into the wall. And um, Joe, you've got to put me back on. There we are. No, come on. The joys of presentations are... Where are we going? Anyway, Aaron, do you want to get up up the next slide, Joe? There we are. He had a massive old lump on his head, right? And I had to rush him to hospital, and he was kind of, I was taking him to the car, and I'm trying to keep him awake. You know, you're meant to keep your kids awake, and he's kind of like, you know, passing out and doing this, and I'm shouting at him, Aaron, Aaron. And you know when you get worried as a parent, you just freak out. And it was a moment that I realised how fragile life is. And it's those moments, isn't it, that you just suddenly realise, like, you know, Avril's grandson, one day fine, and all of a sudden there's something wrong with his windpipe, and you are suddenly faced up with actually how weak you really are, and how weak we are in life. And you know, in, in a natural sense, if you're not Christian, then really weakness is something to be feared. Weakness is something that we try and do everything we possibly can to avoid. But what's so amazing about the Christian message and about what Jesus teaches and about what Paul teaches is that it's the complete opposite of that. What they say is that actually you need to learn to rejoice in your weakness. That you need to celebrate your weakness. That in your weakness you're strong. And so this morning I want to look at, at what that means. Because often we say that, don't we? How often have we said, oh "Amen, I'm weak, I'm weak but the Lord is making me strong. And we say it, but do we really believe it? So I'd like if you can, to, if you have a Bible uh, with you, uh, to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and we're going to read from verses 1 to 10. Uh, I have got it up here on the screen uh, if you haven't got a Bible. And Paul, who is the writer of this, is writing about himself in this section and he says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions... And revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ. He's talking about himself here. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain, I hold back, I don't boast, so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, I delight, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This morning, we're going to look at this passage from the Bible and we're going to ask ourselves three questions. What what are weaknesses? What does Paul mean by weaknesses? The second question is this, where do those weaknesses come from? Do they come from God or do they come from Satan? And thirdly, why can we say that we can delight in weakness? Why can we delight in weakness? So let's answer that first question then. What are the weaknesses? So Paul talks a lot in this passage about weaknesses. And the the way in which to answer what Paul means by weaknesses is best done by literally looking what he says about it. Uh, And he says in verse 10, and this is a breakdown of verse 10, he says, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses. And so what does Paul mean by those weaknesses? The first thing is insults, insults, all right, we love to banter, don't we, all right, we all love to banter. Right, we love to insult one another in a gentle way, uh, sometimes not so gentle, um, but we love to take the mickey out of each other. But there are often times when we are insulted uh, and often these insults are words uh, that are spoken into our lives and over us that we uh, really hurt us or affect us deeply. Um, I remember being, uh, I must have been about 17 at the time and I had just started, to, I'd been playing the guitar for a while and I remember it was at Giggs Hill, we knows know where the church was at Giggs Hill and I was playing, I think I'd probably managed to get myself a proper guitar by that point uh, and I was, and a group of my friends, I think Patrick might have even been there, um, but a group of us were in the church and we were just hanging out and I started to play my guitar and we had a microphone and I, s- I was singing into the microphone and one of my friends just laughed at me. Now, I don't think that he realised that he was being unkind, but he laughed at me. And this might seem stupid, but it took me, I would say, ten years to get over that. Ten years to get over that. Hannah, Hannah and I have been playing together for a long time, and one of Hannah's always frustrations with me for a long time, wasn't it, was stand closer to the microphone stand closer to the microphone. But you know, when you believe that someone has said that about you and you don't believe that you can really sing because someone laughed at you when you did it, it took me nearly ten years and it took a lot of positive encouragement for me to start believing that actually I can hold a tune. Now, don't get me wrong, right? I am not, you know, uh, I don't know, who's a fantastic singer? Um, Celine Dion. I'm no Celine Dion. I was trying to think of a man. Michael Bublé. I'm no Michael Bublé. Yeah? But it was that insult that impacted me really deeply. And so you may have been insulted and I'd have loved to. I know how many times I've dreamed of having a Michael Bublé type voice and picking up the microphone and everyone being like, wow, he's just amazing. Yeah. Um, no one's ever said to me, Tim, you're an amazing singer. I wait for that. Uh, when I start playing in a couple of weeks' time, Chris asked me when I was going to start playing and singing. Chris, I expect you to come up to me and say how amazing you think my voice is. (coughs) So that's the first thing, insults. The second thing that we see that Paul says, uh, he defines as weakness, is hardships. And these are circumstances that are forced on you, right? Things that happen to you that are outside of your control. And it can refer to any situation where you're trapped or struggling. And a particular hardship, I think, is physical sickness, Right? I have discovered that I am rubbish with pain. Right? Okay. I it really it really dawned on me how pain my personality, right? I'm basically a total wetty, right? And at Christmas, right, I had a slightly bad toothache. It was not that bad. I took some paracetamol and it kind of has gone away and I didn't have any... I was thinking, oh, it hurts, it hurts. Yeah? Um, and uh, and I, I, I took loads of paracetamol, I dosed myself up and I could tell the difference, I don't know if you find this, with my mood, right? So the more pain I was in, the more grumpy and the more frustrating, the less I was enjoying life and the, more, the less pain I had, the happier I became, yeah? All right? And sickness affects us. Often we go through, there are people here this morning who who are really struggling with with illness or struggling with sickness. I mean, one of our leaders, Mark, has a very poorly knee. Um, (laughs) uh, I've been told, I I regularly hear about Mark's poorly knee, and it must be a real trouble for you, Mark, to handle that. Um, But sickness is not necessarily something you control. What about your job? Maybe you're in a situation where you're trapped in a job that you feel is just hard. It's hard work and you've done nothing wrong to deserve this hardship but there you are, you're having to struggle with it. So what's the next one then on this list? Persecutions. It says, in persecutions, I delight. Now that is when you are abused or uh, attacked, whether verbally or physically if you live in other parts of the world, because of your Christian faith because of what you believe, because you believe in Jesus. Um, Now, we're fortunate we don't receive much persecution in the UK, but I remember a really specific example of when I received persecution. I was a young teacher... Uh, and I was probably I guess I was twenty three something like that twenty four and I used to get on quite well with the sixth form students uh, and and I would often try and talk to them about my faith, and I would often try and engage them with discussions about God Now I remember there was one lad uh, he was called Samuel, uh, and he really thought that he was you know the man right he really thought that he was You know, very clever. And he was, he was a clever lad. And I remember one day uh, walking to the library and him and a group of other lads were sat around a table uh, and he called me over and um, he started to challenge me on my faith. And I'll be dead honest, he made me look a complete fool. Right? I, 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 you know those moments where you just want the ground to open up and swallow you, right? And I felt like a complete fool. Here I was. I was a teacher. I was meant to know stuff. I was meant to be the one that could answer the questions. And here was a 17-year-old who was making me look like an idiot, right? He had no interest in, in the gospel. He just, all he was interested in was using the gospel to make me look stupid. And I tell you what, it was one of the most difficult experiences I can, it's funny you remember these things vividly when you've been persecuted, So maybe you've experienced some kind of persecution for your faith. And Paul says he delights in that. And there's the last one, difficulties. And I struggle with what the difference between hardships and difficulties are. Um, But when you read various different versions, it basically talks about all kinds of, they they explain these things in different ways. But I I want to put to you that difficulties are situations that you find yourself in where you can't pinpoint what the problem is. Or the problem that you're facing is one of those things where, you know when you, you've got a problem and you just got, you get fed up and you think, I'm in a situation and it, it's just, I've just had enough. And it's not one thing, it's just a hundred things or a thousand things that are little, that happen every day, that just make me think, I've just had enough of this. And if someone says, explain to me why you're finding it so difficult, you're like, well, I, I, just, I just, and you try and explain it and it just sounds stupid. You're like, you know, on an individual, you know, piece by piece, you're thinking... And you, but do you know what, I think that's the hardest situation to be in. Because it's not like there's one thing that you can hate, it's just the situation you find yourself in is just exhausting and draining. And so Paul says through all of these things that when I am weak I am strong, I can delight in these weaknesses. But what we need to be clear is that what Paul is not saying is I delight or I can be strong in my sin Paul is talking about things that happen to us that are more or less outside of our control. What Paul is not saying is, I delight in my lust problem, right? I delight in the fact that I overeat and I have a problem just gorging myself, yeah? I delight in that. That's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is not saying, right, I rejoice in my bad choices. We know that God is good and that God uh, covers our mistakes uh, and etc but Paul is not saying that we should look to rejoice in our sin if we 're in sin, we need to deal with that but i don 't know how you respond to weakness all right I like to consider myself to be somewhat competent right uh, <coughs> i consider myself to be somewhat talented right i consider myself to be resourceful right i consider myself to be skillful i'm quite wonderful as you can tell right? right and when you have that mindset right and and it ultimately lets you down in the lord by the way that's not a good thing right i want to fix it if there's a problem I want to fix it, because I'm resourceful, I'm capable, I'm able, so I'm going to take care of this, because I want to be strong. There's no way that I want to be weak. So when someone insults me, right, When you, are, those of you that are married uh, may have had this experience, it's unlikely, maybe it's just Helen and I that have had this experience, but your wife maybe makes an insult to you, makes some comment about something you may or may not have done, uh, and if you are like me, you want to justify yourself. Right, your defence mechanisms go into overdrive and you are like ready with all of your insults and you remind them of all the things that remind them how weak they are and they're not perfect because I want to be strong. I don't want to be the weak one that's failed. I want to be the strong one that's in the right. Just me? No. Right? I want to be strong. I want to take charge, and I am at you, but I want to be strong, I want to take charge of my own fortune. If I'm sick, I want to do everything I can to get better as quickly as I, as I can. I don't want to stay sick. Right? I, how many times have in my life have I dreamed of walking back into that library right, with my, you know, having trained in apologetics and cutting that fella to pieces and making him look like an idiot? I've dreamed about that, right? How many times have I thought to myself, I want to use all of my skill and all of my resourcefulness and all of my cleverness and all of my capableness to get me out of this situation because I don't want to be in a place that is weak. You see, the world says, do it yourself, take control. The Bible says, when you are weak, you are strong. And you know, the Christian response. To to abuse, to hardship, looks weak, pathetic, feeble, useless. But it looks like that if what you thrive on is pride, if what you thrive on is power. And we're not called to live like that. So that's what weaknesses are. So the next question that Paul kind of addresses is where those weaknesses come from. Where do those weaknesses come from? And so if we look at this passage in the Bible, what Paul talks about, I don't know if you were a bit confused at the beginning when Paul is talking about himself being like taken up Into paradise, right? But if you look through, uh, if we were to read verse 2 to 4, it says that Paul had an experience. Now, anybody wanting a spiritual experience wants this spiritual experience. I don't know if any of you have had such a vision of the Lord that you saw things that were so amazing that they couldn't be uttered because you'd reached that high place, yeah? Right? We all want that experience. Very few of us have had it. But obviously, he had such an experience of God. That it was, and you know, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. It was obviously something in that experience that God spoke to him that was absolutely magnificent. And you know, he almost was a standout Christian. If there ever was a standout Christian, it was Paul. But you know what's really interesting? Um, He was given weakness to stop him from getting conceited it says it twice let's have a look in this uh, in the text uh, and it says uh, in verse uh, is it verse 7 uh, therefore in order to keep me from being conceited I was given uh, the thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me Paul had a thorn in the flesh to stop him getting conceited because otherwise his revelation of how amazing God was would have allowed him to think that he was more than he was. And so what we see is that this problem, this hardship, this insult, this persecution, this thorn in the flesh, whatever that might have been and we don't know exactly what it was, was sent from where? Where was it sent from? It was sent from God. God had allowed it. Why had God allowed it? For Paul's humility. But also we see here that actually in verse 7, right, that it says, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, a messenger of Satan. So it was actually given, it was allowed by God but used by the devil. Now, why is that? Why have you got those two things working together? Well, I think it sums down to this, right? The devil's objective is to make you proud, The devil wants to produce pride, not prevent it. His whole objective is to make me think that I'm amazing, right? That's his objective. And the more amazing that I am, right, or I think that I am, the further and further away from God I go. Do you follow? So the greater that I think I am, the more and more I'm walking in the wrong direction from God. And so Paul, with his great vision, his great revelation, could have said, well, I'm so special as a Christian, I'm the only one that's had this amazing revelation, and so, and I'm just fantastic, and I'm just fantastic, and I'm just fantastic, thanks, thanks God. And he's gone in the wrong direction. You see, because the devil wants to create pride. So is it possible that the devil brings these things into our lives, but God uses them to keep us in a place of humility so it's and what's amazing about this? how many times did Paul pray for this to get taken away it says in the text three times he prayed three times I would have probably prayed like 20 right maybe more right okay but Paul obviously realized after three times that it was time to give up that God wasn't going to take it away And you know, there may be hardships in your life and you're praying, God, take them away, God, take them away. And God is saying, I'm not going to take them away because I want you to stay right where you are. I want you to realise that the difficult situation you're going through is so that you can come closer to me. Because if I take it away, you're going to forget that you need me and you're going to go further and further away from who God wants you to be. So thirdly, let's really unpack this. The major question is, why can we delight in weakness? Why can we delight in weakness? And this is the simple answer and Paul's kind of already answered it for us really is that God's purpose is to bring you into a place of humility. God's purpose and God's aim in difficulties is to bring you into a place of humility. Now for somebody like me that is really really hard because what is humility? What is humility? Humility is admitting that you haven't got it all together. Humility is admitting that you're maybe not quite as perfect or fantastic or at least pretty good as you thought you were. Humility is saying, I need help. Humility is saying that God knows and I don't know. Humility says, life is tough and I'm just going to accept it. You see, because the devil's purpose is to make you proud. That's what he wants to do. Every time someone comes right, and, you, and your ego starts to swell, right, that is the devil at work trying to make you, you, you think more of yourself. And often that's why weaknesses and hardships and difficulties come into our life. Because God is actually allowing them because he wants to keep us rooted and grounded in him. And the best thing that God can do for you, this is crazy, the best thing that God can do for you is to make your life more difficult. How about that? Sorry, hang on a second. This doesn't make sense, to Tim. What you te- that's not the gospel that we know. What we, what we, I thought Jesus' objective was to, to make our lives fantastic. Well, it is. But he makes your life fantastic by often bringing in insults, persecutions. How many times have you thought, maybe it's just me, right? But I, um, I've often thought that I was really fantastic and I'd be really good at preaching. And I think, oh, I'm just such a great preacher. I do. I'm just. I'm just good, really. I just minister, and then you just hear someone make. Oh, it was all right. Oh, wasn't obviously that good, was it? You know, and and you know, what? I'm sure the Lord just says, just say that to him. Keep his feet on the floor. That's why. I'm, that's why. The, when I when the Lord uh, had me made and had Helen made on the same day, he said, "There's a there's a guy that's head will get this big, right? Okay, if if allowed. So he said, I need to find him a woman who's going to keep his head to a proportional size. Yeah. Okay. and, and I'm blessed for that that I've got people that keep my feet on the floor. And I, I am learning to accept that when I am weak, when I am tired, when I feel inadequate, that that is what God has got for me. So that's the first reason. The second reason is this, is that if you can learn to go through the weaknesses and delight in them, who is getting the glory in that situation? Who's getting the glory? If you can solve it in your power, if you can tell everybody there was a problem and I just totally dealt with it, I sorted it, this guy, he insulted me and I tell you what, I just put him back in his place, he won't be speaking again. I, you know, I love those films, don't you, when you see those people and it always happens, right, these TV shows and like, they, they make one cutting comment and then walk away and like, the, the situation is just like dead. And you're, like, how did that, I wish I could do that, whenever I have an argument it ends up in like a five minute tête-à-tête and at the end of it both of you just walk away fed up, yeah, right. But you'd love to be able to go in and just be like, yes, I'm all over this. But who gets the glory in that situation? I do. Because I'm amazing. And that's not what we want, is it? It's not what God wants. What, what is amazing is when weakness showcases Jesus' power. And I was thinking about this this morning, right? What was the moment that turned history forever? What was the moment that turned history forever? It was the cross. It was the cross. God, who had created everything, he was so powerful, he could create. Uh, We were listening to this last week in our talk. God is so powerful that if he'd wanted to, Augustine said, God could have created the day, created the entire world with a word. Didn't need to take seven days. Right? He was so powerful. God is so powerful, he can do anything. But what is the height and the majesty and the moment that turns history? Where is God most exalted? It's in his moment of complete weakness, in the position where God comes to total and utter nothingness. He is allowed to be spat on, he is insulted, he is persecuted, he experiences hardship. And that is the point when God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the maker of eternity, comes to his highest point, is in the greatest moment of his weakness. Is it possible that in your weakness, in your hardship, in your difficulty, in a position where you think, oh, I want to get out of this, I've had enough, that that is the point in your life, when you are going to, exp- well maybe you're not experiencing it, but the point where you are at your most glorious in God. You know, I think that me, one day it will be when this church has got 500 people and the, all of them have come because they've got saved from the estate, that will be the position where I'll be most glorified. I want to put to you that I don't think that will be the, po- the position when I'm most glorified. The position I'm most glorified when God looks at me and I've, I've gone through weakness and I've experienced hardship and I've learned to say I will rejoice in my weakness. That is the point when you are most like Jesus. You know, my heart swells with pride when I look at Aaron's five today. It's his birthday. And you know, you'd have those moments when you look at your kids and you think, I just love my kids. I'm so proud of them. Nathan, a few weeks ago, went to a rugby tournament. It was freezing cold. And his teacher came home at the end of the day, and, and when Helen picked him up, she said, This boy was just fantastic. He was so enthusiastic all day through the cold and the rain. And he kept cheering everybody up. You know, he was fantastic. What a guy. What a lovely lad he is. And your heart swells with pride. The moment that the father's heart swells with pride for you is when you are in a position and you are hating every second of it and you say, Lord, I will delight in weakness. I will say yes to you and I will learn to rejoice that you are bringing me to be more and more like you. That is the moment when God is most glorified in your life. Do we believe that? When Steve is on his his flu and he's struggling to, to, to just get out of bed this morning and he's thinking, why? I wish I didn't have the flu. But if he chooses to delight and say, Amen, Lord, I will bless you to reminding me how frail I really am, for reminding me how much I need you, that's the point when God is most glorified. Because, and I just want to finish with this really. I think there are some people here, and in fact I know there are people here, because there's enough people in this room that this happens in life everywhere you go, who are just in situations where you just want to get out. You have just had enough, and you are just so tired with it, and so weary, and so exhausted with it. You just think, "I've had enough. I've had enough. I've had enough." And I want to encourage you this morning that if you want to go on with God, if you want to go deeper into God, you need to come to a place of trusting God in your thorn in the flesh. You may have prayed, "Take it away! Take it away! Take it away! Change it! Change it! Change it!" God hasn't, and you think, "Why well, haven't you changed it? It's not fair! It's not fair!" And God says, stop saying it's not fair. Stop complaining and start rejoicing. And allow me to come in and say, yes, Lord, I love you for what you're doing because you are making me like you. And I tell you, the Father's heart will go boom, boom, boom with pleasure for you. You know, we may be a small church. We may not be very significant in the grand scheme of the world. But if we have a heart that says we are weak, which allows God to be strong, then all kinds of things are going to happen in our community. Let's pray, shall we?